hear stories from the life of Christ, it can be easy to miss the full picture. We can carry a mental image of the baby Jesus born in a manger, but can barely begin to comprehend the reality that his life is the point at which all of human history is divided. It's easy to think of Christ as a loving shepherd, but can sometimes be hard to remember he is also the King of Kings. In the Gospels, we see that Christ gave more than was asked, chose compassion over culture, placed love before the law, valued potential over a filthy past, and exhibited servitude instead of standing on his sovereignty. Pause for a moment. Think what it would be like to walk just a few steps in his shoes, to live your life like he lived his. It's simple, really. All of his actions were based on two simple principles, love God and love people. Everything Christ did, every action that is recorded, every step that he took as he strode bravely towards the cross were based on these two simple principles. It's not easy, but it is the simple gospel. All right, welcome. How is everybody? Wow, okay. I'm so sorry, I'll pray for all of you. Hey, welcome everyone at our Newburgh campus, our West Campus on, on Facebook Live. We are so glad you're here. A couple quick announcements. One, right after the service on both campuses is our Group Connect. So if you are not involved in a small group, you want to head over to that. They've got lunch for you. It's in room 222 here on the West Campus. Uh, they will tell you where it's at on the West Campus. Uh, but you are welcome to attend that if, you've not, if you're not in a group. Or maybe even you've been in a group for a long time, but you kind of want to break away, start your own group, kind of multiply. We would love to invite you to that. Also, next week is our next step class. Um, we baptized so many people out of this already. If, if your heart's desire to join the church, uh, to get baptized, go to a mission field far away here, near, get involved in service. That, that class is for you. Also, lunch is provided, child care. That's next Sunday. It's the last Sunday of every month up in room 222. I want to welcome you to that. You can go on cccgo.com slash next steps and sign up. Let me, let me pray before we get started. <clears throat> Father, we just love and worship you and praise you. What a great God. What a, what a forgiving God. What a what a gracious God. What a, God, just a God that's just long-suffering, just loves us no matter what, never stops. God, I believe that life, life could be so sweet for us if we would just do it your way. God, I think we complicate life. I think we make life, we make life so much harder on ourselves. God, we make life so much harder on other people. Because we just don't get the simplicity of the gospel. We just don't understand how to worship and praise you and love you and adore you. We don't understand how to love one another and to love God. Speak through your word today, Lord. Father, it's not what I have to say, but what you have to say. So Holy Spirit, come and speak. You made my mouth. You made our ears, Father. Help us to hear. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Would you like... Would you like to get... We're, we're continuing our series in the simple gospel, and we've defined the simple gospel as experiencing the next life in this life. Are, are, you, do, are you doing that? Are, are you doing your part to bring God's kingdom to this? Perhaps I should say, is your life here heaven on earth? Are, are you doing just fine? Or if not, would you like to get better? 
I should ask it this way. Is it time for a change? Maybe it's a drastic change or, or, it's, a, or it's a minor change, but you really don't like the direction that your life is going in. And, and maybe you haven't liked it for a while. Perhaps you see yourself in a pattern that you just can't seem to break. You don't like the direction you're headed in, but it's like a freight train. You just think you can't stop it. And, and truth be told, you're just sick and tired of being sick and tired. I want to tell you that there's always hope in God. I don't want to say that lightly. There is always hope in God. Our God is and always has been a God of restoration. He, he is a God, and God's word is filled with formulas or truth that are designed to bring you life. A life filled with restoration, purpose, joy, salvation. And, and let me tell you something I found too. Even if you do not believe in God, even if you do not believe in God, I, I, I will tell you that if you would live by the principles of the Bible, your life would be better. There is a God, believe it or not, who loves you, who adores you. The simple gospel is experiencing the next life in this life. And God has dedicated an entire book called the Bible to us because he, he cares about our day-to-day -day life. He cared enough to send his son into this world uh, that we messed up. He cared enough to forgive us, to restore us, and to remake us. One of my California kids recently texted me, and he's been witnessing to his buddies. You know, they're in these group chats. And, and one of the guys said, man, I, the only thing that I can't understand is why is there so much chaos? Why is there so much pain in this world? And, and he said, Rick, I don't know how to respond. And I said, man, just tell him that chaos and that pain, that's our fault. We've messed up life. All God's guilty of is loving us and wanting to restore us. All God's guilty of is caring enough to send his son to die for us because we've messed it up so bad. That chaos, that pain, that, that's not on God. But he cares so much, he's dedicated an entire book to us. In, in the New Testament, in the book of 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul writes these words, to his dear friend and disciple Timothy, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. And they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our life. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Knowing Christ and his word will transform you if you will allow it to. It will transform me if I allow it to. And here's the key, if I want it to. I, years ago, when, when I was just part-time youth pastor, not making nearly enough money, I went and worked in psychiatric care. And I worked on this unit, adolescent unit, for, for um, addiction, for alcoholism. And there would be kids there that would be like, I'm here because I want to change. And then there would be kids that are, I'm here because the police arrested me and brought me here. I'm here because my mom and dad made me come. And I'm not saying don't do that, but here's what my thought would always be. Well, I'll see you again then. Because they didn't want to change. But knowing Christ and his word will transform you if you allow it to and if you want it to. With that thought in mind, we're going to continue our walk through the gospel of John. We're going to dig into God's word and look at another one of those amazing, life-changing encounters with Jesus. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. Afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem 
for one of the Jewish holiday from one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of them lying there had been sick for 38 years. So kind of get to see Jesus and the boys have, have been out on a, on a religious holiday. They're walking through the gates. They get by this pool and there's a lot of lame. There's a lot of sick people. This is where they congregate. This is where they are. And when and Jesus sees this guy and he knows this guy's been laying there for 38 years. Verse six, when Jesus saw him, he knew he had been ill for a long time. And he asked him, would you like to get well? Enter into what seems to be the most ridiculous question in the entire Bible. Would you like to get well? Do you want to get better? This guy had been sick for 38 years. He has to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. He has been laying on a mat on the ground. I, 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 I love reading because it puts me in the situation and I see everything around me. And my first thought literally was, what's his bathroom situation like? 38 years. If anyone needed a drastic change in life, it would be this guy. And Jesus dare ask this guy, would you like to get well? But upon, you know, further reflection, I think it's a pretty legitimate question. What he's really asking is, hey, do you want your life to be different? Because if you don't, it's not going to be. And that's my question to all of us today. Do you want your life to be different? And if you do, how do you change and make that happen? See, this man had grown accustomed to his situation. He was disabled, but here's the deal. He knew how to be disabled. He understood that life. In, in Simi Valley, I met up with the director of the local homeless shelter to see if she could help me with some students, some under 18-year-olds that we had that were homeless. And the director told me the craziest thing. She said, you know, Rick, it's crucial that we get the right help, not too much and not too little because it can become the acceptable norm to be homeless. The truth is that many people find themselves homeless, can't and do work their way out of that situation, but people get accustomed to almost anything. This man was in pain, but it was a pain that he understood. His life was rough, but he had survived it for 38 years. It wasn't a good life, but it was a life. And there are a lot of people who just settle for life. I'm angry. That's just the way it is. I, 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 I'm addicted. That's just the way it is. I'm, uh, whatever I'm suffering from, I'm sad. I'm lonely. I'm depressed. That's just the way it is. It's, it's not a good life, but it's a life. There are a lot of people who just settle for a life. People, people didn't really expect much from this man, so when... He didn't do much. Nobody questioned it. Sometimes getting better or changing isn't easy. But here's the deal. Change begins when you want to change. We don't often use really cute, witty, wordy sayings. We just want it to be real. And as simple as I can say it, change begins when you want to change. So Jesus asked the legitimate question, would you like to get well? God's word is practical, so I want to be practical. If you're dealing with an addiction, it means the very first step is you wanting to get better. You decide to give up using the substance that you believe helps you make it through the day. You know it's destroying your life, but you can't imagine life without it. It may, it may bring the embarrassment of facing your addiction, seeking help from others, and even asking forgiveness. It, it won't be easy, but it is doable. So Jesus asked, do you want to get well? 
If your family is in shambles and you want it to get better, it might mean you turn off the pornography or just the TV and you start dating your wife again. You know what? It may mean you get counseling for your anger. You get on your knees and confess to God that you you have issues with an uncontrollable temper because here's the deal, folks. That's not going to change until you want to change and do something about it. I have a good friend who lost his relationship with his wife after years because of his temper. And I said, man, don't even think about starting over until you do something about that rage. It might mean you start praying and asking God to help you formulate a plan on how to be a great mom or dad from this day forward. It might mean that you give up on some relationship that you really enjoy, but it's really hurting everyone else in your home. Being a good family man or woman means putting yourself second in the ones you really love and care for first. That's not easy, but it's always right. So Jesus asked, do you want to get well? Getting well can mean hard work. It might mean more education. It might mean honesty and confession. It might mean counseling. Often means giving up that one thing that gives you a temporary feeling of euphoria for something that will bring you lasting and unfading joy and peace. I believe, I wholeheartedly believe that true healing and true restoration starts with you and I calling out to Jesus. It starts with simply and honestly telling Jesus that you want to get well and then beginning to allow him to change you, submitting yourself day after day to doing life his way. That's what Paul meant in Romans chapter 12 when he says to submit our bodies unto God, to lay our bodies on the altar, to simply say, God, all this is is all yours. See, change begins when you want to change. Maybe it's time for a minor change in your life. Maybe it's time for a drastic change. But here's the deal. It's time to actually change, not just talk about it. Look at the disabled man's immediate reaction. Verse 7. I can't. I, 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 I can't, sir. The sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool. And when the water bubbles up, someone else always gets there ahead of me. I can't get better. I can't change. I've been like this too long. There's no way to spiritualize this. This guy was physically disabled. And and nothing but an act of God could or would heal him. His words, I can't, are legitimate. There very well may be changes in your life that will not happen without God's divine intervention in your life. He wanted to get better, but he didn't know how to do it. His way hadn't worked in years. It didn't work yesterday. And guess what, folks? It wasn't going to work tomorrow. So he just drew the conclusion that he'd never be better. Now enter Jesus. Not only a man who cared, but a God who cared. You see, this man couldn't, but... But Jesus could. John chapter 5, verse 8, Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began to walk. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. He got better. He was healed. He rolled up his sleeping bag and he began walking. Because here's the deal. We serve an amazing God who does care. We serve an amazing God who does want us to have peace and joy, who does want us to get up and walk, who does want us to change. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Some translations, I've come that you might have joy. 
Change finds its power in Christ. Change finds its, its power in Christ. He told Jesus that he did want to be healed, but he just couldn't do it on his own. He had no idea how to help himself. There are many times that, there are many things that we can do with Jesus in our lives that we absolutely could not do without him. I, I couldn't save myself from all my wrongdoings, my sin. So he came and died on the cross to do that for me. He, he took my punishment. Andrew was up here earlier, our, our student pastor, talking about camps. I came to know Christ at a camp. I remember being in that camp and a guy saying, hey, you can know for sure you're going to go to heaven when you die. And I, I snapped my neck up. I stared at that guy because I wanted to know how. And I learned that the only way I could do it was to trust completely in Jesus. More than that, I have no idea how many times he has rescued me in the here and now from punishment that I deserve from those around me. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Times when you, times when you, the hammer should have dropped upon you, but somehow by the grace of God, you were forgiven, you received peace. Somehow the hammer didn't drop. I believe wholeheartedly that God is always intervening in our day-to-day life to bring us forgiveness and peace and joy that we no way, in no way deserve. But that is his character. That's who he is. And I got to tell you, the God of the Old Testament is the same God in the New Testament. I've heard people say, well, the God of the Old Testament, they're the exact same. You read through the book of Judges, man, you read through Judges when those people would mess up, follow some other God, even some God that called for human sacrifices, and they would worship that God, and then life would get really bad, and they would call out to God, and God would forgive them. And I'm thinking, that's great, but he's not going to do it twice, and he'd do it twice, and he'd do it three times. I got to tell you, if I was God, there were many times where I said, nope, just wiping you all out and starting over. We'd be a whole lot meaner if we were God, wouldn't we? There'd be a whole lot of folks that would be in a lot of danger if we were God. But it's in his character to forgive, peace, joy. How many times has he given you strength to accomplish things you could not do without him? Perhaps there's pain and loss in your life that you can't overcome except through talking with Jesus, calling on the name of Jesus. Sometimes it's almost like, I almost feel like it's, it's like jumping in a river and just saying, God, I'm just going to jump into who you are and just let it flow wherever it goes because I can't do it. First Peter chapter 5, Peter, who had spent three and a half years with Jesus on this earth, said this, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. Humble yourself. Dad, I can't do it. I, I can't do it. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Sometimes getting better is just dumping it all on him. Praying and just telling Jesus, you can't do it. God, my way didn't work yesterday. It didn't work a year ago. And guess what, God? It's not going to work tomorrow. I need you to do it. God, I can't overcome the pain or the addiction or the loss on my own. There will be times when all you can do is dump it all on him and trust him to see you through. Digging into God's word and getting to know Christ better can and will absolutely change your life and your eternity. Let me say that again. Digging into God's word and getting to know Christ better can and will absolutely change your life and your eternity. Even if your physical situation doesn't improve, 
your joy and your peace can multiply drastically. See, God expects me to do what I can to help myself, to want to change. But what I cannot do, he can and will do for me. Jesus told this man to get up and walk because like all of us, one, he couldn't do it on his own. But more than that, there was more life that he needed to experience. There were more things that he could accomplish because you see, change is often fueled by purpose. Change is often fueled by purpose. It's much easier to, to change when you have a reason to change. When you and I see our need in this world, we're able to sustain change. You see, it doesn't matter how far you've gone or what you've done. There is a God who loves you. There is a God who wants to use you. And there are people around you who need you. People near, people far away, people in your office, people in your home, people in your workplace, people in your school. There are people who desperately need you. And there's a God who's very willing to use you. The Apostle Paul, who God used to write 13 books in the New Testament, writes these words to the church in Philippi. Not that I was ever in need. Now, I got to stop here and tell you that Paul wrote this from prison. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I'm in a fetal position when my car breaks down. I, I, I can't make it when, you know, you name it. What knocks you down? What slays you? What, what kills you? Paul's in prison. He says, you know what? I don't need anything for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I need a nicer car. I need a bigger house. I need... Paul said, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Paul was in prison for his faith when he wrote these words. Guys, we, we get out of sorts all the time. I mean, anything can knock us out. Lights are too bright, it's too dark in here. Music's too loud, it's too quiet. Can't ever make anybody happy. We, we need, we need, we need. I need this to worship. I need this to be happy. I need this to go on in my life. And Paul said, you know what? I need absolutely nothing because I can do everything through Christ. You see, Paul lived for Jesus. Paul's life was fueled by his purpose for God. He wasn't looking. He wasn't looking for what God could give him. He was looking for what he could give God. He wasn't looking for what the church could do for him. He was looking for what he could do for the church. Wasn't looking for the world to give him something. He was looking to give the world Jesus. He spent the last several years of his life with one purpose, and that was to tell the world about a God who loved them enough to die for him. When I stand before the Apostle Paul, when I get up in heaven and I meet up with him and I tell him, Paul, I would have led a lot more people to Jesus, but what am I going to say? Paul, I would, have, I would have been better and nicer if only so-and-so hadn't. Paul's going to say, 
Let me roll the tape on my life. You see, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it gives us a little insight into Paul's life as a missionary. And it was anything but easy. Uh, we don't have to turn there. I'll just give you a list. He tells us that he was in prison many times. Paul said that he was publicly whipped so many times that he lost count. How many times have you been whipped for the gospel? How many times have you gone to jail for telling people about Jesus? You see, here's a guy who had the right to stand up and say, this is not fair. But you know what Paul said? I'm, not that I was ever in need. Paul, you were always in need. Keep in Four times I've been beaten by Pharisees with 39 strikes from a whip. Normally one of those beatings left you for dead. Paul was beaten four times like that. I can imagine that the scars and the wounds were still there when he went to the next beating. He had been shipwrecked and once he had been stoned and left for dead. In fact, he refers to that as that awful stoning. He would eventually be executed for telling the world about a God who loved them enough to die for him. And he writes, not that I was ever in need. There's a guy who said, I've got a purpose to live, and that's to tell other people about Jesus. I've got a purpose to live, and that's to spread the gospel. I've got a purpose to live, and that's to bring the joy and the peace. That's to take the kingdom out of heaven and bring it under this earth so people could experience it. Because here's the deal. When your life is centered on God's life and God's desire, circumstances have little to no bearing on your joy and peace. Change is fueled by purpose. Who or what are you living for? Because if I am living for me, that is way too shallow of a pool. If you are living to bring just joy and peace to you, then it will never happen. But when I let go and I say, God, I am living to bring joy and peace to you. I am living to bring your kingdom to this earth. God, I worship and I praise you and I love you. God, I'm in. What are the details? Change me. Then your life becomes a life filled with purpose. Living for God kept Paul going. He had a purpose in life, and, and if he had to change his life to fulfill that purpose, then he was going to change his life. This is the same guy who writes in Philippians chapter 4, again, from a prison, always be full of joy in the Lord. And I say it again, rejoice. Really, Paul? Do you remember the beatings? You're in prison. Are you, I don't think you're getting it, Paul. Let everyone see that you are considering all you do. And remember, the Lord is coming soon. There's no room for gossip. There's no room for tearing down. He even says, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Treat everybody else like gold. Love them. Stop the whining. Stop the complaining. Stop the text. Stop the emails. Stop the backbouting. You, you live for God, and you live to bring joy and peace to God and for those around you. Be considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. That's the simple gospel. Paul experienced the next life in this life. He experienced heaven on earth. You don't want to know why? Because he was so close to Jesus that nothing could take that away from him. Listen, I've been honest with you guys and told you that there was a time in my life when I was so depressed that I had a gun to my head. But you know why I didn't pull that trigger? Because my own family still needed a dad to love them. Does yours? There were students in Simi Valley who needed to hear about a God who loved them and wanted to restore them. 
As long as you or I will make ourselves available to God, then our job is not done. There have been situations when I, in my life when I wanted to lay down and die, but I have heard my father say, get up and walk, Rick. And I said, why, God? Because I need you to encourage that group of young people. I need you to preach my word. I need you to lead that person to a saving relationship with Jesus. I need you to disciple that young man. Rick, get up and walk because there's work to be done. See, change and the ability to change are fueled by purpose. And you have a purpose. I may not know personally what your struggle is, what needs to be better, but I do know about a God. I do about, know about a God who cares deeply about you. And if you will call upon him to share your burdens, to bring life and, and joy and change, then he is a God who will help you and begin the process of healing you. I, after last night's service, I walked out into the atrium and there was a gentleman standing, a very distinguishing looking gentleman. And he said to me, he said, Rick, I really resonated with that point, change and the ability to change is fueled by purpose. And he said, but the way God taught me, he says, I went to federal prison for four and a half years. I took a step back and looked for a police officer. That's not true. I, uh, <laughs> and I thought, Really? And he goes, man, let God change you early in the process. Because if God wants to change you, he'll do whatever it takes to change you. You are needed. You are needed to encourage. You are needed to love. You are needed to build up. Not to judge, not to tear everybody else down, not to feel holier than thou, so you gotta fix everybody. You are needed to love and to encourage and to lift up. There is a purpose in your life. There are people that will come to know Jesus because of you. If you will simply say, God, amen, I love you with all my heart and soul. What do you need to change in me to make me better? Then you and I, if you and I will simply say, God, I'm in, then you and I will begin to understand Paul's ability to say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Because here's the deal. The addict can become clean. The bad man can become the good man. The gossiper can become the encourager. The woman who divides can be the woman who brings healing and unites. Getting well means you and I make a conscious decision to get well. We acknowledge that we need God's help to change, and we ask for supernatural power. And then here's the deal. We actually change. We get up and walk. Guys, before I close today, there is one enemy to change that I must address before we close today. And I want you to forgive me if I'm super passionate about this. But, but this is the one that destroys most lives that I've seen. One dragon that we have to slay before we can accept the change that Christ offers daily. And here's what we've got to understand. Change challenges the rules. People hate change. It challenges the rules. Look at John chapter five, verse nine. Instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. Jesus said, get up. They said, get back down. 
Jesus said, walk. They said, don't walk. This is one of those what moments in the Bible. How can you object to a man who hadn't walked in 38 years being healed? How can you object to young families coming to Christ? How can you object to all that God is doing? This is one of those This is a moment when the self-righteous show their true colors. They should have been jumping up and down with this guy. They should have said, you can walk. Wow, God is great. But here's the deal. As far as they were concerned, a rule had been broken, and that's all that mattered. The healing of this man was secondary. Jesus had not done it the way they wanted it done. So as far as they were concerned, it was wrong. God, deliver us. From that theology. There will be those people, sometimes well-meaning, sometimes not, that will tell you you cannot change. In fact, you know who that person might be for you, who it often is? You. We are so much meaner than God, folks. We are so much meaner, so much more harsh, so much more judgmental, so much more condemning than God. Crazy, it blows my mind. You may be that person who tells yourself that you can't change. You may say, man, you've gone too far to the dark side. You're not smart enough. It's too late. This man had been down for 38 years. Maybe you experienced so much loss, you feel like you can't give on, go on, you just want to give into the pain. Maybe you've hurt too many people to this point to be used by God. You've broken way too many of God's laws. See, the Pharisees were right. You weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath. They were, they were going back to Exodus chapter 20 to the Ten Commandments. And maybe if you were ridiculously strict legalist, you could count picking up your bed as work. But here's the deal. Jesus was and is the Lord of the Sabbath. And over all the laws, Mark chapter 2, verse 27, they got on him at another time about that. Then Jesus said, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people and not the people. The requirements of the Sabbath for the Son of Man is Lord over the Sabbath. See, Jesus always chose love over the law. You know why Jesus, the, the Ten Commandments were given. We feel like, well, so I don't steal. Think about it this way. God's saying, I love you, so I don't want people to steal from you. I love you, so I don't want people to murder you. See, Jesus always chose love over the law. Romans chapter 5. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So, so just as sin ruled over all the people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead. Giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Maybe according to the rules of life, society, even the laws of the Bible, you don't deserve to get better. Do it anyway. I don't deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve peace. I don't deserve. People are telling. Do it anyway. You have God's full permission. Why? Because the Bible says now God's wonderful grace rules instead. In Christ, there is forgiveness. In Christ, there is healing. Love is over the law. Would you like to get better? 
And Jesus said, then pick up your mat and walk. Then get better. Father, we love you and worship and praise you. What a mighty God. But God, there are things I can't change. Would you change that for me? God, there are things I can change. Would you give me the wisdom and the strength to do that? God, you always chose love over the law. Maybe I'm not good enough, but that doesn't matter. Because you're not as mean as I am. You love me and you adore me and you want to use me. And that's true of all of us. And we worship and praise you and thank you for that in Christ's name. Amen.